Hello, and welcome back to Grace Point Go, Grace Point's podcast where you will find sermon audio from our Sunday morning worship services, as well as interviews and conversations and devotionals, all meant to give you content from Grace Point on the go. Today is a conversation between both me and Pastor Jared um, about worship, the discipline of worship and the rhythm of worship through our weeks and our daily life, as well as connecting um, the topic of worship to our current sermon series on the book of Hebrews. We thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope that you can join us for some really exciting episodes that are upcoming. Thank you. Everybody, it's great to be with you. Um, we are uh, in the midst of a, a deep dive session talking about uh, worship today. Um, I am joined with uh, our worship director here at Grace Point Church, Levi. Levi, do you want to uh, say hello or anything like that? Yes, I can. Uh, I can do that. Hello. Want to prove your presence? <laughs> yeah, Levi. Right. We're going to be talking about worship today. It's it obviously makes sense to have you here as a part of the conversation because. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're studying the book of Hebrews right now, um, this last sermon, we thought a lot about worship because the comparison that uh, the author is making in regards to why Jesus is superior is, out of many things, evidenced by the worship of the angels, that here's these incredibly superior creatures, you know, the Bible even go so far to refer to them as like higher than than man or woman in that case that that there obviously is something clear and special about them and yet despite that designation they're still worshiping god and uh and so one of the things that just like caused me to think about worship is not just because that's one of the uh like the evidences for why jesus is god but um just made me think about how important that must be. I mean, mm-hmm. there is this sacred, almost like duty. It seems like that these angels are worshiping, like like that. That is a, a kind of an attribute, a testimony that 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 they pour forth because of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that was certainly a large part of what we were thinking about in the sermon um, previously was. Um, not only what worship is, but what worship does, mm-hmm. and that was sort of the the comparison. So, uh, I want to unpack that a little bit with you, um, just to have a little bit of fun as we get started. Do you do you like whistle or hum music a lot? Like, what are you? Are you a a, a whistler or like a hummer yeah. as one who sings? And you know what. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I if you ask my mom, because the Bible talks about <laughs> making a melody with your heart, right? So there's that's like right. this. That's this... right. Yeah. If you if you were to ask my mom, she would tell you that I'm a I'm a tapper first. I'm a drummer first. So like growing up, oh, okay. even now tapping on the dashboard in the car, tapping on things around me, and just kind of like hearing things in my head, but then just kind of drumming it out with my hands. But I definitely am a whistler. Definitely a hummer. Yeah. A harmonizer. If I'm listening to music, I'm kind of just trying to find little little harmonies along with it. Above, I'll probably all the above. A tapper. That's actually a totally different category. Exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about. I'm sure. Yeah. There's, now you know. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of parents probably right now relating to the um, the the banging of the noise. Right? Yeah. In some ways, I just <laughs> like never in your grew world. Up. It's you're you're That's playing right. a melody, and to the parent world, mm-hmm. it's you know 
keep that racket down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I probably find myself tapping my fingers a lot on the yeah. table or and I'm so not a drummer. And I'm sure your wife notices it more than yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. The people I'll, around. I'll never forget being in a car. It was a long road trip. That's why this memory just immediately popped into my head right now, talking with you. And my brother, he and I were on a road trip and if you can imagine, like, the, the window, you know, button that you press down for the yep. window to go down, up for it to go up. Yep. Like, he was flicking that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's that subconscious part yeah. of, like, how your body seems to just physically manifest what's mm. what's going on in the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and even I didn't kind of catch it at first. But as soon my ear picked this up, and he just was flick, 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 flick. I mean, it just drives you nuts. Absolutely. But, but it's such an interesting thing to think about. Yep. Like his world was experiencing something totally different. Mm-hmm. I, I whistle. I'm a I'm a whistler, and that too is something I don't always even notice. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, until my children yep. or my wife points it out. And and God bless my wife. But sometimes there's even that like agitated like, just be quiet, please, for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on the phone or whatever it might be. Been there, been there. Um, who who's like moving? Who 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 like right now just kind of random question but when it comes to worship for you like what are some of the things that speak to your heart right now in terms of like music maybe it's a particular genre or style or a certain artist or as a worship leader what what draws your heart into worship right now maybe who's doing that most i think uh one thing that i learned i guess a framework or context i learned from my dad was he used to be i i First of all, he was a worship leader for for like 17 years. And I would just kind of – I just spent a lot of time around that world growing up. And so one thing that I picked up from him in terms of critiques when it came to songs was he would listen to songs and he would would kind of say, here's like – this is a song that is too general. It's Mm. it's making a generalization about God. It might not be untrue. It might be very true. But it's just talking about God's love and kind of God's – like aspects of God in kind of general ways. And, and I think as I've gotten older, I've appreciated songs that kind of unpack things more specifically. Yeah. So a song that will maybe talk about repentance or a song that will talk about like, okay, here's the severity of God's love. Here's like the, the what that actually practically means for us. Or here's, here's like a song about identity and wrestling with your identity in Jesus. Like songs that unpack a certain theme. And then I can keep going back to those and save those songs and go, if I'm wrestling with this or if this is something that I, I want, I need to find a song that's about repentance, I can go back and listen to that song. And so there's a song by Hillsong United or Hillsong Worship that recently came out called Resurrender. Hillsong, is that like a new group or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a little underground indie, indie <laughs> project. underground people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. O- yeah. Only the, the worship leaders know about. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it's a song that, that came out about, it's called Resurrender and it's mm. it's the entire song is about repentance and about if God's calling, we're going to run, not walk. We're going to respond with urgency, and we do that through confession. And I, to me, that's a song that I don't hear enough about. And so those are the kind of things that I'm drawn to right now. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I guess to, like, dive deep, I mean, that's playfully what we sometimes call these sessions as we unpack the text that we're studying. But to kind of dive deep quickly into this time together – what you just said, I think, really relates to something that I've been thinking about. Mm. And I don't even think I was thinking about going in this direction this quickly. Um, but I think this is what this is intended for. Um, when we are unpacking the text of Hebrews 1.6, and the angels are worshiping, 
one of the things that grabbed my attention was they're worshiping because of who Jesus is. Right. But then at the same time, the, in, the relationship is that who he is is realized in what he did. Right? Like part of what makes us aware of his nature and character is the way that that gets manifested and it becomes a real to us. And, and while God like communicated some sense of his nature and character, we see that throughout the Old Testament, like mm. there is a profound realness in Christ. And that's what was amazing to me with the angels is my my understanding of the text when it says he again brings the firstborn into the world. The, the, the short of it is this. Jesus is coming again, right? Mm-hmm. The author is basically implying he's been before. That's right. the incarnation. And that he's bringing the firstborn, a term meaning like the greatness, the greatest of, a, a superior, greater person. That is Jesus is coming again. Mm. And it's based on his second coming that the angels worship. And my, my, my point in that, to, to kind of speed this up a bit, is that these angels are incredible creatures. But what I, I think I appreciated as I was studying the text was they're, they're, they're also not omniscient, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have to be careful not to give to the angels more than what they are. Mm-hmm. And so they're these superior created beings, but they're not all powerful. They're not all wise. They're not in all places at all times, right? They, they don't contain those things that are true to God and God alone. And so, like, even the angels, to some extent, were discovering, right? And that's what happens. For finite creatures like us, and I think angels, to that extent, equate to being finite creatures. They don't know everything, right? right? Um, they're not even eternal. They were created as well. Mm-hmm. They, they themselves were sort of discovering the unfolding will of God. And while they had amazing access to God and, and, and had a depth of knowledge that we don't, they still were also, I think, adding layers of knowledge to their experience and reacting accordingly. Hmm. And so when it says that Jesus is coming again, and then the author of Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 6, correlates that to the worship of the angels, I think it should appropriately draw our attention to Revelation 5, mm-hmm. where we see the angels saying, worthy are you to receive honor and glory and power and riches and all these things because Jesus alone was worthy to take this scroll from God the Father Mm. and to take this, what is really the the deed to earth, like it belongs to you. Now go, king, go Mm. and take and claim what is yours. And that's that second coming idea that Jesus is going to come and make all things new again, restore everything. And, my, and, and the point is this. The angels are worshiping the reality of what they are now seeing fulfilled. And, and so when I say worship, <clears throat> like they're worshiping who he is, which is the worthy lamb to take the scroll. Yeah. But they're also responding to like what he has done in that he's the lamb that was slain. Like he, he, he died. He, he paid this incredible price. He was crowned with this name. And so the point that you made about songs, Levi, like, and what draws your heart and what we need to hear more of, mm-hmm. things like repentance and, and confession, one of, the, one of the qualifiers I oftentimes use to think about whether a song is, like, worthy, you know? Because, again, like, these angels are singing a song that was worthy. Like, worthy are you is the, is the phrase in Revelation 5. Worthy right. are you to receive these things. Like, yeah. A song that's worthy 
in my estimation, is a song that as I'm singing it, I am not confused exactly about yeah. who the song is being sung to. That's right. And I know you and I have maybe talked about this a little bit before, but like if I'm singing a worship song and I couldn't tell if that was made or written for my boyfriend or girlfriend, sure. Sure. you know, and I think some of the people who are listening right now can probably appreciate that, right? Like sometimes yeah. we sing songs and it's like, if you weren't singing this in church or weren't somehow explained what this was going to be about, you'd have a hard time knowing, is this song about my love life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it about like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Mm-hmm. So, so here's where I want to like, get deep and kind of get your thought in this, for example. I saw a tweet uh, tw- on Twitter just, oh, I can't remember if it was yesterday, maybe this morning, losing time. Anyway, um, while I can't remember when I read it, I don't know if I'm going to forget it. And the tweet basically said this. I'm, it's almost word for word because that's how much it landed on me. He said, Satan is pleased with the church that is, like, doctrinally sound. Yeah. Like, regular in their gathering. Um you know, everything's going well. Like that was the gist of the tweet, and and yet has a kind of cold or stagnant love for Jesus. Wow. And that, like, as a pastor, that like kind of shook me a little bit. Yeah. You know, because I don't think it's just related to our church, but probably for a lot of churches. You know, yeah. how easy is it to check the boxes and be like, hey, you know, doctrinally sound, check. Like faithfully gathering, check. You know. The budget's going well. Check. You know, in all these sort of categories, and you get the impression, oh, like, we're doing a good job. But Satan almost throws up his hands and says, I don't really have to do much with these people. Wow. Because if their love for Jesus is, like, apathetic and cold, you know, I'm just going to keep letting them do what they're doing. Yeah. So it just made me think about how important worship plays into that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, worship... Like, like the point that I, I found relevant in the in the passage, and I thought about it for us was, um, this definition from this theological dictionary, and and basically it divides worship into this double meaning of an act and an attitude. Hmm. Um, and I feel like that's how it relates to that tweet that I just shared. Yeah, is absolutely. What's the difference between? acting it out going through the motions and then that attitude which i feel like is influenced by what we see most in christ do you know what i mean so like how do you like have you experienced that let's start there like just from a personal relatability standpoint you know you're follower of christ a worship leader Mm -hmm. you know have background in that like how have you navigated that? Have you ever had that kind of season or time or like you have felt frustration or even confusion in relationship to like what am I doing in worship? Like checking the box but still feel like there's something missing. Does that make sense? Yeah, like just in terms of my own spiritual. Yeah, your own, just your own personal journey, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that there's a, just like anything else, you can get really in your head and you can become really internally you can internally overthink things and you can be on a platform and go am i worshiping jesus right now or am i caught up in all of the distractions that are going on this morning Mm -hmm. directing a team um thinking about the next transition true 
um, playing the chords on the guitar. And that goes for, for, for Jason when he plays in the traditional service and he, he's playing piano and he's also having to think about everything else. It's like, that is a, it's easy to walk away from that. I've caught myself in the, in the, in the past walking away from a worshiping experience going, wow, I feel so good. And then in reflection and further reflection, I'll realize that it wasn't that, that I'm not feeling good because I had an experience with God. I ha- I'm, I'm walking away because I had an experience that went right. Like the technical pieces. The technical pieces went well. Went, went smooth, yeah. The lyrics were all up. You know, I the transitions went well. We didn't mess up. And I've realized, like, uh, that it's really easy to become spiritually manipulated by doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've realized that it's really easy also to... Um, it's really easy just to, to, to miss the point. Um, and liturgy and orthodoxy doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. And the best we can do is look at the Bible, look through the lens of, you know, put our gospel-centered lenses on and go, um, is this reflective of Jesus' nature? And are we following not just with our minds and with our doing the correct thing, but are we following with our hearts too? Yeah. You know, like in Psalm 60, there's two verses, uh, one in Psalm 63, verse one that says, you, Lord, are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And the first Chronicles 29, 11 says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours and yours is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. And there's a distinct two very different tonalities in those two verses. This this psalm, supposedly maybe David is writing this, but it's it's kind of an earnest love song to God. I like My mm. soul is thirsting for you. I'm seeking after you. And then Chronicles is an ex- a kind of a, it's proclaiming, it's declarative, like you are deserving of these things. And I think that it's easy to go, to, to kind of drift towards one or the other depending on our mood or depending on our preferences in worship. But it's it, we need to remember that as much as we we should not lack clear language in our love for Jesus, we shouldn't be singing songs that could be easily identified as another love song for another person. At the same time, we are singing a love song to someone, and that is God. So it's not wrong to sing a love song to God. It's just not right to leave out clear language that we are talking about God. Yeah. And so there's um. That's good. I think there's there's just a absolutely to answer your question in short. Like I have definitely been there. I definitely. Yeah, yeah I've, I've definitely. I feel like God humbles us in that sometimes, given mm-hmm. the roles that you and I both serve in the church. I mean, in the sense that we we have a a role of our function that. Um, we're fortunate to have, you know, in the sense that um, I, I get, I often have to tell people, like, I get to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so, I feel so blessed in that, you know. Totally. There's so many people, and, and we're one of them. We live in the world, too, and we have very real life challenges that we're always ma- managing. But for a lot of people, like, their attentions and times are dictated by a lot of things, like the work that they're doing and yeah. families and, and, uh, and hobbies and whatnot. But but for me and like you, it's like Sunday's coming. Like I don't, I, I also don't have a choice. Like I have to read the Bible. Yeah. I have yeah. to get into it. I yeah. have to like organize thoughts. I have to be brought into a place by the grace of God through mm-hmm. the spirit to like, you know, allow him to speak into something that becomes what we call sermon. Um, but there's been plenty of times where I agree with you and I've been humbled by the fact that like, 
it has felt very like me oriented. Like I was putting a lot of like my own efforts and times into it. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And we'll be back next Wednesday with the second half of this conversation on worship. Thank you so much. Thank you.